Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there is Will Curran. And that gentleman over there is the clacky, clackety-clack. Brand Kruger. I'm not the clackety clack. You're the clackety clack keyboard. I have a clackety clack keyboard that I specifically I don't do hear not no use. Clackety clack. I do not use when we're <laughs> recording because it is clackety clackety clackety. Uh, but that is not what we're here to talk about today. We're excited to have a wonderful guest, one that we've we've spoken to uh, on event icons before. Uh, met him, had the pleasure of meeting him several times in person as well. Um, and today we are going to be talking all about the power of multi hub meetings. More about what that is in just a moment. But our guest today is Martin Van Nest. Uh, A little bit about him. He's been an entrepreneur since he was 18 years old. He's got 35 years plus experience in meeting design. He's an author, a speaker, a trainer. And uh, since 2012, he has organized the Fresh Conference uh, over there in Europe. Um, We talked a little bit about what was on tap for the Fresh Conference uh, when we met uh, at uh, IMAX in Frankfurt. Uh, So uh, encourage you to go back uh, to uh, listen to that episode and find out more about what they've got in store for this one. But welcome to the show, Martin. Hi, great to be here. How are you doing, uh, Brent and Will, over there in the uh, United States of America? We are, <laughs> we're doing very well. We appreciate you're, you're joining us from Belgium tonight, which, if I'm not mistaken, is about 9 o'clock p.m. as we're recording this. Is that about right? That is correct. That is well, correct. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for staying up late. We really appreciate it. We're excited to be talking to you today. Uh, like I said a moment ago, um, we, uh, you know, we, we had a moment to sit down with you uh, in Frankfurt and talk about the Fresh Conference. Um, but at that time, while we were there, you handed me a copy of your new book, uh, which is uh, appropriately titled Multi-Hub Meetings. So, we wanted to have, get you on the show here and talk a little bit about because you have uh, been experimenting with this for quite some time uh, and, and working your way into a good set of best practices. So we're like, this is this is really an opportunity for us to uh, to get you on the show and share a lot of that with the audience. So why don't we kind of start at the beginning? If you can kind of go back and tell us a little bit of the history uh, leading up to uh, the multi-hub, so, which I believe is kind of going back and uh, dealing with your experience with the Fresh Conference. Isn't that right? Well, it, it, it even goes back a lot more, uh, Brandt. We were, uh, I was involved with an, an, a company that did production and IV and technology for meetings. And uh, our first multi-hub meeting uh, was actually a recruitment uh, event for PricewaterhouseCoopers in uh, 2000. So it's um, in, the, in the day when we still had these big, uh, heavy monitors <laughs> and we used ISDN lines for internet connection. So that was the first uh, experience with uh, with such a meeting. Yeah, those were definitely the days uh, when we had the uh, the ISDN lines. And then, oh, it was amazing. We could link them together and you could double the bandwidth uh, <laughs> to, to, to some <laughs> some piddly amount of, of bandwidth. Um, so so you started there in, in production. Um, what, what brought you closer uh, to creating the Fresh Conference and then ultimately creating these multi-hub meetings? Well, the Fresh Conference uh, started in 2012, uh, and it's like the, the the moment of the year when uh, the Meeting Design Institute uh, is actually bringing together the members and, and a lot of meeting planners and designers and facilitators and artists, lots of people that uh, are doing things on the design side of meetings. 
the content side of meetings, meeting formats, and you know, trying to make meetings more more productive, more effective. And so uh, the Fresh Conference has started in 2012, and we started in in, in Copenhagen in in Denmark actually, uh, with the support of Copenhagen and Denmark financial support. Uh, and we stayed there for three years, and then uh, moved on to Barcelona, and then we did uh, our first multi-hub meeting uh, because we felt that this was something really coming up um, and and really interesting. You know, combining technology and meeting formats and interaction and a lot of other challenges uh, into one format, uh, which is multi-hub. Uh, so we did uh, for the for the first fresh, we did uh, five cities uh, in Europe, and the second one we did four in Europe and one in the United States. And so um, that was a great experience uh, where we, you know, we experimented with a lot of different things. So really, and, uh, with those first fresh conferences, you were already mul- doing the multi-hub thing. I guess I didn't really put that together. Yeah, the the first multi-hub was um, uh, three years ago, and then uh, and then so that was like not so long ago actually, oh, okay. but uh, that was the first one where you really uh, split an actual conference, the fresh conference that existed as a single hub conference um there's a new word you know a single hub conference <laughs> um so so that was the first time that we actually split it, uh, it up and it's this is one of the one of the reasons why you or one of the let's say scenarios that you could follow to start a multi-hub meeting it's actually looking at an existing meeting and um for the good reasons slicing it up you know cutting the meeting in, into different uh, segments and bringing it together in a multi-hub meeting. So it's the same kind of meeting. It was still a two-day meeting. It's a two-day conference with about 200 people. But now it was in five different cities. So we had like five groups of 40, roughly speaking, instead of one group of uh, 200. Well, Will and Martin, I did my usual thing. I get so excited about the topic uh, that I just dive dive right in. And, and I probably, Martin, should back us up a little bit and, and have you introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience. Uh, so so if you, you if you could go back and uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into the, um, you know, in, in, into the Meeting Design Institute and maybe some of the time leading us up from between those, you know, PricewaterhouseCoopers events leading up to the creation of the Fresh Conference. Um, um, uh, give us a little bit of the background, and then we can dive dive back into the tech. Sorry about that. Okay, no problem. The uh, my start was in uh, a video. I was like um, photography was a hobby before I was eighteen, and then I, I, I started to see in the in the early eighties uh, VHS coming up, and then the first cameras uh, appeared where people could film their own stuff on you know one of those bigger cameras on your shoulder, and then a cable going down and a VHS recorder hanging. Uh, you know, uh, on, on hip level, uh, and and this was like uh, you know very early stuff, and I saw a potential future there, which excited me, and uh, so I I got the support of my parents, and I invested in uh, some Panasonic equipment, uh, VHS editing uh, equipment, and wow. camera and stuff, and really uh, that's that's how I started, and uh, rolled into audiovisual with um, uh, a local organization that did. Uh, tours for farmers and i did the sound and the light and the set and i i built it up i operated everything and i took it down again and on my own so that was like a really hands-on start as a young man uh survived all those uh, uh projects and uh slowly moved into more professional work and then from there discovering meetings uh as as like something that really excited me and and i really saw an interesting um activity and meetings and 
stop doing uh, a lot of stuff and focus on meetings rather early and um then started asking myself the question you know why do why do people do meetings and and this is how we started to think about meeting design and 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 how how we actually do meetings for a purpose but we don't always know what the purpose is exactly and you know slowly but surely developing some ideas around it and then um published the book meeting architecture in uh um uh, 2008. Oh my God, that's <laughs> 2000. So more than 10 years ago now. So yeah, that book is um, is is a turning point, I think, in my in my career, where um, I kind of, without knowing it, wrote a uh, kind of a manifesto for a new discipline in the meetings industry, where somebody could actually really focus on the on the let's say the inside of the meeting. You know, when a meeting planner closes the door and goes to take care of the next uh, function who is taking care of the actual meeting inside that room you know not the meeting owner because they don't really understand everything about meetings they know they know everything about their product or their service but somebody needs to be a professional there so that was my 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 book meeting architecture 2008 and um and then in 2012 you know it's kind of as a result of that book uh we got the support from from um uh, Copenhagen and Denmark for fresh, but before that, I actually also started in 2006 the Meeting Design Institute, which was kind of a um, an organization that is member based, and we have kind of members that do stuff on the meeting design side of things. And, and this was really early days, and it was out of frustration almost, you know, going to the meeting shows and see only venues and destinations and nothing about, you know, the actual meeting. What is the reason? I guess I guess people are coming together. But the business model was purely on on logistics and travel and hospitality, which is great and important and it's fundamental to a meeting, of course. But I was kind of frustrated to see or to miss, to not see the uh, the stuff that actually needs to, to 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 be good as well. You know, the inside of the meeting, the presentations, the interaction, all that stuff. Uh, 2006 jumped to 2012, where we started our, our our conference. You know, after two smaller attempts in. In, in kind of a test phase, this was the real uh, deal fresh. And then, you know, all along the way, I think we we got more and more experience with, uh, with, with the multi-hub thing. And it was quite exciting to see the internet evolve and to see the equipment evolve and, and to see things becoming, you know, really possible and easier to do than in 2000. And I think, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of in, in 2006, 16 that we really decided that this was potentially going to happen and, and potentially being uh you know a future model in the meetings industry a niche uh, a niche within the meetings industry as a as a as a format that's something that companies could use to save a lot of money and to do things that were not possible in the past we started to really invest in that with the company that i was a part of um ending up with this amazing package which is portable and easy and, and you know it's uh making it possible now and really, uh, really uh, affordable and, and, and professional way. Awesome. I love it. Um, I, I definitely have so many questions about this model because I think as everyone knows from the live streaming episode, I'm really passionate about this idea that meetings don't have to all take place in one gigantic location um, because a live streaming is really exciting, but it also needs to be done the right way. And I also love this multi-hub model because I'm a part of an organization that actually recently this last year for their main like year of, of, uh, you know, conference decided to de they call it a decentralized summit instead of a 
total, you know, fly everybody to Kenya like we did last year. So yeah. um, I'm curious to know a little bit about that SWOT analysis that you've done of MultiHub. Yeah. Um, that, and for everyone who doesn't know what SWOT is, it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Correct, Martin? Absolutely, yeah. And so do you want to give everyone a little bit about that breakdown of the entire <laughs> MultiHub model? Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a model that actually uh, is is quite interesting and quite um, yeah complex. But I maybe say you know, it's it's it has a lot of moving parts, you know, and there's a lot of questions that people ask, and there is also a lot of skepticism and 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 fear around this model. Uh, and uh, and so there is there is a whole list of uh, of, of things, and I think I'm, I'm kind of a positive guy because my my strengths pages are these three of them and the weaknesses is one and the opportunities uh you know so i'm i'm kind of optimistic about this thing um so yeah what can i say um strengths um you know the first thing that people think of is saving money and and and, and it actually does um it depends of course on how you do it because you could you could have a big production on each on in, in each hub which is you know uh one of the ways to do it uh, and then, of course, you have you have 20 hubs, and you do a big production in 20 places. Then, obviously, you know the bill is probably going to be close to what it is to do a single hub uh, uh, session or conference. But you know, saving money is also uh, about saving time of participants. If you have to fly a thousand people to one place, um, and they all have a travel day coming in and and a travel day going out. Then you know, obviously, that's two additional days to the two-day conference, and that is a cost to the company, uh, which is considerable, of course. Um, so saving money is definitely uh, something that that can can work. Um, then the second one that I've listed up here because it's it's something that is a, done a lot by by medical companies and pharmaceutical companies, and, and it's because of regulations. Um, uh, I, I know that there are several countries that are really strict and almost impossible to get a doctor to fly somewhere. Uh, it becomes more and more difficult to do this. It's a bigger and bigger file that you have to do. So regulations in pharma are, are a big deal. And you can skip all that when you have local meetings. Uh, not skip all that, but it becomes a lot easier uh, and, and, and more doable to actually get people um, uh, out of their hospitals. So to speak. Uh, you could easily also do it in the hospital. We've done several. Or I, I've been part of several where the doctors actually stay in their in their hospital and the speakers four speakers are in four hospitals and and everybody else just travels to those hospitals and it could be you know four cities with groups of 12 or 15 or you know there's all sorts of models but in pharma there's there's a, a number of benefits um so yeah and then and then key key opinion leader engagement you know how do you get at this how do you get these uh, professors or doctors or surgeons or the, the, the real heroes of, of you know, cardiovascular uh, surgery, for example, these people are so in demand, you know, how do you get them to travel to wherever you have your conference and, and be a speaker, you know, if they can stay in their city and have a group of uh, participants around them and do the presentation for the participants in that room, plus five other cities or 15 other cities for that matter. I mean, that is a much easier thing to do for those for those you know famous vip um, uh, people uh, so that's another one um, another one that that i experienced was to to have the local representation the local the local 
salespeople to say, you know, in, in the room as well. So we, for example, um, that was one of 18 hubs in Spain. So it's a single country, uh, but it's big enough to do a, a multi-hub meeting. And, and they had uh, the, the local reps in their own city would select a restaurant or a hotel where they would do it. And they would invite their local clients, the doctors or the surgeons or whatever they were, uh, to the to this room. And they would be very close to all these people. So instead of having a big conference of 500 where they, these people walk around and sit everywhere and the, and, and the, the representative has to look for them, and, and it's not an easy thing, but when you have 15 of your, your closest clients in, the, in your own city in a room for a couple of hours and you can have dinner or, or, or something with them afterwards, that's, you know, a, a lot of power I'm gonna, there. I'm going to jump in and interrupt you there because you make, an, yeah. you make a really important yeah. point there, Martin. And, and I want to make sure that that doesn't slide by our audience. That As we're going through, you know, all of these, these, these amazing strengths, uh, I think that's where um, this multi-hub model really shines uh, compared to just a straight up broadcast, right? When, you know, you know, like I said, Will and I, we already kind of covered doing a, you know, a, uh, you know, how to live stream an event, but, you know, really taking what you're talking about here and applying these hubs where you've got people getting together locally and meeting together locally is where you get this like more powerful engagement, this more powerful networking. Um, you know, you know, a lot of this stuff also applies to just live streaming, right? Saving people money, that kind of things. But when you start to get into these, you know, these smaller groups, you know, the, the brain power that comes together when you put together smaller groups and, and giving people that, like you said, that local empowerment to, to make those hubs, uh, you know, more um, more uh, appropriate. I, it's not the right word, but you know, but you know, more uh, effective in those yeah. local things. Um, so I just wanted to kind of jump in there and, and make sure that we're really, you know, pointing that out to our audience that you know that's where this this thing really shines. And I'll let you kind of get back to the uh, let you get back to the strengths because there are quite a few of them. So no, it's it's a good point, Brent, and and I think we we probably are coming to, going to come back to this because I have this. This model that I, I've, I've written down, I think, in the in the book also uh, about you know the kind of the, the 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 human bandwidth, you know, the connection the connection between people, uh, and how it gets weaker and weaker as you move more and more away from the face to face meeting, and and how mm. multi hubs are multi hub meetings are really almost the closest thing to a real face to face meeting. But we, I'm sure we'll get back to that later. So. I think what what also is is important is uh, in in the same field is is the the uh, engagement the feeling the feeling of being um, equally empowered. So in a multi hub meeting, if you do the right thing, you will have a speaker in all the hubs. You know it's not always possible, but that's definitely something you need to try so people feel equally empowered. But also, a real multi hub meeting, in my definition means that every individual participant can actually say something because there is a microphone nearby. Uh, in, in within arm's length, I I, used, I, I I tend to say, so they are empowered. They have the opportunity to speak. You know, everybody that grabs a microphone in the format that I most uh, you know support, I would say, is is when when this, when every participant can say something, ask a question to the speaker, even interrupt the speaker. You know, in a way that it's like in a normal meeting. Also, when you you, know, you have a small group and people can actually you know ask a question whenever they feel so. So the, the the empowerment of the participants also a big deal I think uh, that is fading away uh, as you move more and more towards like say a, a webinar where people are just watching a speaker uh, 
uh, in multi-hub meetings, it feels much more more engaged. The same counts for the same, same works for the speakers. Uh, so the, the speaker is really engaged as well because if you have a speaker that sits behind his desk and 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 is to you know to speak to an audience that is somewhere else and he doesn't see them or doesn't hear them or anything, it's like difficult for the speaker to stay engaged. You know, you are. Uh, professionals in this stuff and so you know the difference between a speaker that is engaging and is in touch with his audience versus somebody that's like you know just talking to to a, to a screen and a camera um so that's an, an important one as well um another one is i think also the quality of the networking um smaller groups lead to better networking it's more intense you you're closer together you see each other a longer period of time you have more time to build the relationship with the people in the room because you know remember a hub always has a group of people so there is always participants in one room that's a hub and that's one group of people connected to several other groups of people but within this room the participants actually can talk to each other you know not only during coffee breaks but also to you know during conf- conversation moments and and they can get to know each other really quickly. So they meet new people, they get to know them and maybe get to like them even. And, you know, by the end of the day, even trust uh, one or two of them. So you build really powerful relationships uh, in, in such a small group. Um, the other thing is also, you know, maybe also plays into the money part, but it's uh, the fast turnaround. If you if you do a simple uh, setup with a, with a multi-hub meeting, you can actually limit your uh, room use to to the day that it, the meeting takes place. You don't have to build up the night before. Again, you know you can choose to have a big production, but if it's kind of the basic uh, facility, you know, the basic um, equipment, so to speak, then you can set it up in the morning and uh, start uh, start the meeting at ten o'clock or whatever, and um, and then you know that's that's kind of quick quick turnaround. You know you don't need to block a room for three days to. To be able to do a one-day meeting or a half-a-day meeting, and I think maybe one of the bigger ones is you know the, the the thing is face-to-face. You see the people around you, but you also see all the other hubs. You know, a real multi-hub meeting, you will have a screen in front of you where you see the slides, but also where you see all the other hubs. So you see the other participants in different cities around the world. You see their faces. You know, there is a technician operating this camera, and this camera is showing you, you know, somebody listening. Uh, in 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 um, let's say in New York, and then another one, another video image. You have this mosaic of of little video images, and you see another person asking a question from uh, Milan, and then another one, uh, another group of three, four people that are chatting during a discussion moment um, somewhere in let's say Atlanta. I don't know, you know. So there's there is this visual connection as well, which I think makes the thing. Uh, um, a lot more exciting. So that's uh, my, my list of um, opportunities, which uh, strings, I mean, which is um, uh, probably you know bigger. You know, if you talk to people, they they come up with other ideas and 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 see different uh, opportunities and, and and strengths as well. Absolutely, and and I think there there is something magical about that. You know, hey, here's someone in this location. Here's someone in this location. In the events that I've participated in, and and maybe it's because I'm a huge 
you know, nerd. And I just, I, 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 even though I've been steeped in this for a long time, I'm still constantly, uh, really blown away and really enjoy connecting with people all over the world via the internet. Just the, the, the power that this enables us to have, you know, being able to, you know, speak to someone, you know, next door. I think, I think, uh, you know, as, as younger generations come in, they're going to just take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's still a really powerful thing. Like you say, say, okay, that person's in Milan, that person's in New York, that person's there. And we're all experiencing this same thing. Uh, that still holds a lot of power for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, we're just transitioning into that, uh, new, new way of doing things, but, uh, I think it's magic, you know. It's absolutely magic. We're, you know, <laughs> and it'll be it'll be totally boring for everybody else uh, in as the as the younger generations come yeah. up. Well, I think we covered uh, the the strengths really yeah. well. As as you mentioned, uh, you know, I think we're both pretty optimistic about this technology uh, and and the power that it has. Um, so let's, but let's we we got it. We got to hit the downside. Uh, let's transition <laughs> into the into the weaknesses a little bit and go through some of the things that maybe this type of meeting isn't so good at. Yeah. So. The um, the first one that I have here is uh, there is only local networking. So if you're an international organization and one of your key goals is to have international collaboration, then obviously in bringing the people from France together in Paris and the people from Germany together in Berlin is not going to help the international collaboration. You're still going to be in national silos in a way for the networking. So, you know, it's all about having your objectives clearly defined uh, to to see whether or not this is really a a weakness or not. But uh, you clearly can't do intense and good networking with people on the other side of the camera. Uh, So we've tried that with the second fresh uh, a little bit, but it's uh, it's um, yeah, it's a it's a challenge. Um, Then the other one is groups are smaller. So in that sense, there is less uh, opportunities for networking. If you have a specialized and mixed group of people and one person, for example, is looking for all the specialists in, you know, hard fouls, so to speak, and there is like 20 of them in a group of 200, but I want to talk to all 20 of them. But yeah, if two of them are in, in this country and five of them are in another country and I'm here and I only have two or three to talk to, then, you know, that's also a limitation. The number of opportunities for networking are are also smaller. Uh, the other thing is, is maybe you know it's not it's it's a it's a weakness, but maybe it's not. Maybe it depends on who you are and 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 where you are in your career and and how you look at this. But uh, it is a little more work. You know, if you have to book one hotel for a group of two hundred, it is a little less work than uh, booking ten hotels for groups of twenty. So there's more contracts, there is more more work, but I'm, I'm hopeful that um, some of the um, uh, booking agencies in the world will uh, get ready for MultiHub soon because they all think they are, but none of them really are ready for this. If you try to book one meeting and you say, I have one meeting with 500 people and I want 10 different hotels in 10 different cities in 10 different countries for the same dates, uh, for similar uh, for the same hour, but there is a time difference, and everything starts to become really difficult. Uh, so there's a lot of work, I think, on that side. But uh, I'm sure that these people will uh, will, if there is a market, they will obviously change the software and make it work. So there is a little more work for meeting planners, but you know, 
we get paid for that. So maybe it's maybe it's good news. You know, maybe you can increase the team and and do more multi-hub meetings, and you you know have more business. So you know. See, you're always trying to turn it into a positive. Yeah, I know. You? I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> now this 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 last one, this last one, I think is one, I love one of the ones that's yeah. definitely hardest for yeah. me. Uh, yeah. So so uh, and that's and that's letting go yeah. of things. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the the uh, the difficulties <laughs> that people have there. Yeah, I think it's it's a natural thing for a planner to have things planned and to have things under control. But if you're not in the in 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 the five other venues, if you do if you do a six hub uh, meeting, then you know there is there is limitations to what you can do. So working with professional teams, I think, is really important, and having a good structure and uh, and 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 have reliable partners on on in every hub is is also very important. It's it's not an easy thing to imagine for 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 some of us to to see something like that work and uh you know there is um um this like psychology uh psychological barrier to to cross there for for many of us uh, it's a natural thing I think. so and then we move into opportunities well i was gonna say before well, well yeah we could do opportunities i i feel like you started hitting on that end but i almost like <laughs> want to make you do the the threats first since you're so optimistic um but no let well we, we you you did the weaknesses let's go yeah into opportunities so opportunities uh, for anyone out there who hasn't done SWOT analysis, more about the future. Opportunities and threats are more about things that are looming in the future, where strengths and weaknesses are existing in the present. Opportunities and threats Absolutely. are like things in the yeah. future. Did I get that right, Martin? I'm I'm seeing different opportunities. I mean, mainly the 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 list that I've created here is the opportunities to 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 create to start a multi-hub meeting. So when do you when the, when is there an, when is there an opportunity to look at multi-hub meetings? Because I I wouldn't totally recommend doing what we did with fresh is like take a meeting that you have and cut it into five parts and and then you know make it a multi-hub meeting that's not necessarily going to be a great solution uh several other opportunities where you could, could actually consider this and uh and the first one would be just when you start thinking about a new meeting so a meeting that has no no culture or no past or no history or you know you haven't done it before that could be uh, uh, certainly a, a meeting that you could look at to, to turn it into multi-hub meeting. The second one that I see as an opportunity is, I think you guys touched on that already at the beginning of this, this uh, conversation, is to have um, uh, an intermediate meeting in between a few, in, in, in between an annual, existing annual meeting. If you have a real meeting and you come together with a thousand people once a year and you do it in a city somewhere in America and and you could have a second meeting in between those big ones and have a, the same group of people come together again for a shorter meeting, for example, but kind of an update or an upgrade or, a, you know, things that are happening uh, for the same group of people, do a half-day meeting instead of a two-day on-site face-to-face meeting. You now have local hubs in every state. You have a hub and you bring everybody together in a multi-hub format and there you... You know, have, uh, add a meeting in between the, an, an existing one. Uh, you cut out a little bit there, Martin. If you could just go back a little uh, bit on that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking too much down on my book. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So yeah, the um, to create a new meeting is one. To have inter- intermediate meetings in real face-to-face meetings is two. Number three, I think, would be to add hubs to an uh, to add hubs to an existing meeting. So adding hubs to an existing meeting means that. You have a meeting where you bring together a number of people. It could be an association, for example, 
down, you say, well, this meeting actually takes place in the same time zone as uh, Mexico and as Venezuela, or, you know, I'm just naming a few more southern countries, but they can't come because they can't leave the country or they don't have the funds to do this or whatever, you know, bring the meeting to them in the, in the, in, in the form of a hub and have like five South American hubs, for example, connect them to your existing North American hub, put a few speakers in those hubs as well, and then create a good script where the, the people can have local conversations among each other as well and engaging meetings. So that's, you know, adding hubs to, to, uh, to an existing meeting is also an opportunity to, to look at. Um, also to merge a roadshow to one date. Some people do roadshows uh, and, and, and they're quite um, challenging in, in different ways as well, in the sense that you have to have the same speakers do the roadshow for seven days uh, in the month or something. So bringing all of that together, and it still is kind of a roadshow, but it's all on the same day. And you put the speakers in different hubs, and you have something that is similar, but, you know, it's only one day now. So it becomes uh, more cost-effective, easier to book your VIP speakers, etc. So that's an opportunity as well. Um, you know, the one that I, I wouldn't really recommend, unless you have good reasons for it, is to cut an existing meeting to several hubs. It's what we did with, with a Fresh Conference. Um, but, um, yeah, you have to get, have good reasons, reasons to do that. And then the last one I think is, is definitely an important one. It's, it's improving, uh, what you have with a webcast or with a webinar. So if you do regular presentations online and you have individuals watching, uh, you probably experience how difficult it is to keep them excited and to keep them online and keep them focused. Uh, so Bringing those people together, instead of being individuals sitting behind their laptop, you bring them in, into a room, you give them a cup of coffee or a welcome drink or something, and then, uh, you know, have, uh, have hubs instead of individuals. That is a big step up in the engagement scale. You know, that's uh, something you can also, my last opportunity. All right. <laughs> and then now I, I'm, I really am always excited for the threats category because I feel like it always creates this like sense of urgency to fix things. I'm not sure if it's like my problem solving mind that comes in, but like when I think about threats, I'm like, Oh, I want to solve it and make it better and everything like that. So let, let's go into threats, which are like the incoming negative things that potentially could jeopardize this sort of model in the future. I guess this must be a, 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 a neurological defect on my side. <laughs> I don't have any. We're going to have to dive into, into the book then. We'll, 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 we can pull them out. I uh, love it. From, from yes. I have to add a page somewhere, you know. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I've got them right here, uh, so you don't have to go searching for them um, uh, because we uh, we lose you when you, when you start looking into the book. Um, so yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah. what we've got what we've got is is the are the threats toward a single venue meetings, and I'm assuming this is probably something similar to what we see when we're talking about just uh, hybrid and virtual events in general, um, where there's still even after all these years this lingering. Um, oh, I'm just worried that it's going to cannibalize my in-person audience. It's going to it's going to somehow be detrimental to the the single venue meeting. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's it's, it's really more the multi-hub meeting being a threat towards single single venue meetings. Uh, so I think this is a, a perceived uh, threat. You know, if 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 there's people doing multi-hub meetings, uh, it may be that these are all new meetings and these are meetings from from, uh, from maybe even new organizers like LinkedIn group uh, mm-hmm. owners that do 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 multi hub meetings and stuff and uh, and therefore I think uh, the, the the venues will see 
you know, more and more of those multi-hub meetings, and they will have smaller groups, but it, it's a it's a group anyway. Uh, and, and I think it could be it could be okay, but it's perceived as a threat uh, by 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 venues that they feel that this is you know all, only going to give them small groups in the right. future. Right, it's more a threat to the model, the the single meeting model uh, of you know why would I want to go to this one location meeting where you know I could be part of this multi-hub thing. Yeah, correct. And then uh, one of the things that you listed in, and, and I'm curious to get your take on it, was complacency, that one of the threats uh, that we face is complacency. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think we have the same challenge with, with presentations um, and with, with meeting design in general. You know, the um, we are, it's kind of difficult, I, I think. You know, I've seen the first time somebody asked me uh, about in, in engaging participants. You know, there's... Too many people are falling asleep. This guy said, uh, "We we have uh, we need to do something about these presentations. They're not exciting. Enough. The speakers need to be better, and and we need to get interaction going and stuff." And this was 1984, uh, one of the first conferences I was ever involved with. And this was, uh, I think, still to date, you know, a lot of conferences have learned a lot, but a lot of sessions, a lot of presentations are still um, not really interactive and. And so that is the same thing, you know, you can bring in um, activities and, and stimulate speakers, but if you let speakers speak, uh, they will speak, you know, and they will, speakers will be the experts that feel that they have to give the audience all the, all the stuff that they can give them and as much as possible. And it's more about showing their, their intellect sometimes than, uh, than really doing an effective presentation. It's more about uh, trying to be as, as good as possible or give the audience as much as possible rather than actually designing the, the presentation so that people actually learn something and not get overloaded with information. So that kind of complacency may also happen with multi-hub meetings where we just start to say, yeah, do we really need cameras on all sides? And do we really need microphones for all the participants? Because not all of them are, are using them, etc. So. But then it waters down to to like almost a webcast. You know, you're you're you now have groups of audiences sitting, watching a screen, listening to a speaker. I mean, we just can't have that with multi-hub meetings. They are even more uh, in danger of a lack of interaction than normal meetings are, and we're not doing a good job overall speaking with with normal meetings where you have all 500 people in a single room. Uh, so, so I think that needs to be. That is probably one of the bigger threats, and I've already seen uh, large uh, companies being very successful with with multi hub meetings that were managed by the same by the same person by the same planner uh, who really made sure that there was always you know briefed speakers and good and, and and some cameras and operated cameras and microphones and operated sounds in every room. Uh, and then you see other people in the company say, wow, this seems to work. I got great uh, scores from the participants. And then they start doing the same type of multi-hub meetings, but they are not as strict in uh, the AV support and the technical support and the scripting of this multi-hub meeting. And then it waters down to, to a, uh, what can I say, you know, uh, a, a webinar mm. on steroids, maybe, but uh, that's that's all it is, and uh, I think that's a threat for for multi-hub meetings. Oh, it's easy; I can do that, you know, and then forget about doing a professional job, and that's going to really, you know, eat away the quality of of what a multi-hub meeting actually can do. 
so many things to process there. I was just uh, kind of rolling my head around a little bit. I think, um, uh, you know, in the book, you you offer a lot of uh, a lot of case studies uh, and, and walk through, you know, exactly how this has worked for a bunch of the different uh, uh, types of uh, events out there. Uh, I'm curious, um, you know, we don't really have time to go into each one of those, but maybe you could just expand a little bit on the various types of events uh, that this has worked for and some of the things that you learned from uh, each of those different types of multi-hub meetings. Yeah, I think one of the more exciting ones was uh, for uh, a Portugal uh, Portuguese governmental um, uh, organization. It was like... Um, I, I wasn't actually involved in this meeting, so I, I, I got this case uh, written down by, by one of my industry friends. And, and she did this meeting in the Azores, and it's like a number of islands. And, and so on each of the islands, they had a hub, and there was an audience, and the minister of culture or whatever was speaking from Portugal to them. And they could actually talk to him and actually uh, say something or... or you know, ask a question, um, and and there was a very emotional moment where one of the participants actually started to cry because she she was so happy to have the minister of culture in the room, as mm-hmm. almost you know, so to speak, she could talk to him. Uh, so so it, it, that shows, I think, if you do the right thing and you have the cameras and you have the microphones and people have uh, people really feel that they they're close to whoever is on the other side. That's a quite a powerful quite a powerful uh, experience. Another one is um, more like a bigger production where they had uh, all the company employees in a, a theater room or in a you know bigger meeting room, 100 to 200 people per per country, 29 countries. This is a production with you know big sets and cameras and everywhere, and they um, they actually did a great scripting and and that is production, you know, really uh, getting people to. Sp- to um, send in a um, best practice or, or a, a, a great story about being in the medical field and helping people, you know, helping the sick or helping patients. And so they selected one case per each for each country, and they had the, the they had presentations around these uh, cases, and uh, this was, you know, really engaging for the local audience and uh, empowering for the person that had this uh, case presented and. And they had an, a tremendous success and engagement, and everybody loved this meeting as well. So that uh, that was 29 different countries. So you know you can imagine the amount of flights and, and time that was saved uh, in, in doing. Uh, so you, have, you have them in all sorts, from very simple to really big productions from uh, from uh, two three countries all the way up to 29 countries. So it's it's a, it's a nice variation of cases. Uh, that you can find in this book. So as we uh, start to wind things down here a little bit, um, uh, you know, you brought up uh, <laughs> my, my favorite thing about, about having to let go. Um, but, but you know, uh, Will and I were kind of chatting on the back end and he, he was uh, asked about uh, the staffing um, that, uh, you know, how do you find uh, quality staffing uh, when you're trying to set up these things in remote locations? And how do you, um, you know, really trust those people that are, you know, kind of on the ground there? in your local hubs yeah so my experience actually uh is mainly on the multi-hub meetings that uh are simplified to uh one or two person uh crew and yet having uh up to two cameras 
in a room which are operated and switched, um, having microphones on every table. Um, and, and so what happens is in that situation, the technicians are actually trained by one company and they are technicians from one company. And the technicians fly to the location. So that is really something else. Um, so if, as, a, as a meeting planner, you actually call one company and uh, you, you tell them, that's the date, that's the time. Um, we have these seven or 17 uh, locations. Uh, we start at 10. Um, and so then at 10 o'clock, they will all be ready. Uh, those, so, so that's one call for, for a planner uh, to, to get all the equipment and, and, and stuff booked. Uh, uh, and it's all standardized. You know, they, they all work with the same cameras. They all have the same uh, switcher. They all have the same sound system. They all have the same software. They all have the same experience. They all speak the same language, you know, mm-hmm. literally speak the same language and or uh, figuratively speaking speak same language and you guys know how important that is for technicians to understand cues and stuff through intercom in this case through whatsapp or or another channel um and and that's a format that i think is 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 the most powerful in the sense that it makes it really easy to book and really affordable also they take the equipment with them but it's hand luggage in the smallest format and it's hand luggage into two check-in suitcases in the biggest format so it's really really compact stuff and it's not a big production, you know, it's not with a SAT and it's not with, with you know, operated cameras with professional cameramen, but it is with moving cameras that can zoom and, you know, up, down, left, right, and they're remotely controlled by a technician. And there's lots of great stuff out there, great equipment to, to make this possible now. So that is, uh, that is I think, the, the most solid uh, multi-hub meeting technology uh, that, I, that I could think of. But um, I guess... You have lots of experience with uh, with working internationally, and 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 so I think from there, you know, you just have to work with the, the people you know. And you know, if you send one technician or two technicians, or maybe just a chief technician or a coordinator to a room of a hundred people uh, all over the U.S. in different states, then that's still a lot of flights that you save when you have a hundred people in that room over there. Sending one technician is only one flight instead of sending a hundred people to one central location. It's a hundred flights, so, so you still save a lot of money. You still are good for the environment, you know, if that matters to you. Then uh, you save a lot of CO two, a lot of time for the participants. You just, it's just uh, sending people out is, I think, you know, what we also should should consider to make a one of the. Pictures that's more fun for me in the book is is the the photo of eighteen uh, backpacks all lined up in a row uh, that had all of the gear uh, necessary for uh, for sending out you know with the technicians uh, onto each one of their shows and so um, you know one of the things that's been fun for mm-hmm. me uh, to watch is as this technology evolves um, and and gets better and smaller. Um, you know, the, the ability that we now have that used to cost tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, to set up studios and things like that on the road, you know, now we can bring in a single Pelican case, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as a, as a checked, checked bag on an airline or even a carry on bag, if we're just, you know, bringing the basics along with us. Um, you know, one of the things that you emphasize in the book is, is the importance of standardization, um, in order to make sure that, you know, we are keeping that consistent experience from hub to hub. Um, 
wondering if you could expand a little bit on that, which will kind of guide us as we wind down into uh, any other best practices that you might have uh, regarding uh, someone who wants to try this out. Yeah, so standardization, I think, is all about the making it easy for everybody. You know, if you have technicians that work with the same gear, uh, they can help each other. You know, if they if if there's like a setup moment where you know, one technician in one country has, a, has an issue with uh, with the con- camera control unit, for example. Uh, the, the, the guy that knows the most about this uh, may be somewhere else in another country and he's available and they can have a chat for five minutes and help each other out. So, so that really makes it reliable. It makes it easy. You have standardized training for the technicians because you need, if you have 20 hubs, you need 20 technicians, you know, or maybe maybe 40 if they're all bigger hubs. Um, so, so they all need to, to be trained in a way and you can standardize that training and, you know, it's just, uh, good for everybody for reliability, for cost, for, for quality. It's just uh, a good thing to standardize. It's not always possible, of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there is, there is opportunities, uh, to, to make it work uh, through standardization. I think one of the other best practices, if I and just continue here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Please do. The other, uh, the other best practice I think is to make sure you have a good script. Um, so preparing this with uh, with some input from a, a person with experience uh, is is quite important. So having a good script is um, is going to help everybody. Uh, talking to the speakers uh, to make them see what is in the script and what is their role and how much time they get to speak and why why it's shorter than usual and how they can engage the participants and also building in those five minutes of converse, local conversation. That is also magic, you know? So in the middle of the meeting, you have a multi-hub meeting happening. All of a sudden you tell people, here is a discussion topic. Uh, so turn to your people around you in your room and have a local discussion for five minutes. And we put the countdown clock on the screen. People see uh, uh, the countdown clock in one of the one of the uh, little windows. And now they are talking to each other. And maybe they're preparing a question for the speaker. Or maybe they're looking to an answer for, for a challenge or a, or a case that was presented in medical. So so the local, local um, engagement is really important. Um, uh, another thing is I, I already mentioned is, is having a speaker in every hub. It's a big difference, you know. If you if you have a hub that is only sure. listening, they feel less val- valid, less valued than when they have a speaker in the hub. So these are a few tips that uh, I think are, are really crucially important. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, as we start to to kind of uh, bring this amazing conversation to a close that I think it's really going to give such like an amazing follow-up, I think, to our live streaming conversation as far as understanding the strategy and the 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 why behind how, how you can do this. Um, Martin, we want to ask you a little bit about your tips and kind of if beyond just multi-hub, what would be your one tip that you would give to anyone out there who's looking to implement multi-hub in their next events hmm no one single one single tip um <laughs> it's like choosing which of your children is the best right you know i think it's a tip that probably works for all conferences but if you do a multi-hub meeting you know be serious about it don't say yeah yeah i've done several skype meetings i know how this works we can do this uh you know prepare this um 
and take a little more time and work with professionals, work with some people that have experience. And they're not, there's not a lot of people that have a lot of experience with this. Uh, but I, I, I think there is so much to learn in, in, in a short period of time. Uh, if you're speakers also, because they don't believe that this is possible. So, you know, all these things, uh, make sure you have this moment of interaction. So all these things are, are more or less the same than with the, with the real meeting, but I think even more important than ever, more important than with a normal single hub meeting is to make sure that, you know, you, you have these things under control and you have a good script and you have a professional approach to this. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, that maybe the number one tip is buy this book, you know, uh, because it's um, it's going to help you to 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 learn and to read a few cases and to get inspired and to be able to sell this because you'll have it's going to be an uphill battle. You know, if you try to do a multi-hub meeting, you'll get a lot of skepticism and fear, and uh, so you know you get a bit better get ready for this. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> right. yeah, it's not one tip. I I know. <laughs> Well, I, th I think you lead perfectly into the next question I was going to ask, which is like, uh, what sort of favorite resources do you have that everyone should check out? So obviously the book, but beyond beyond the book, what what else do you think that everyone should check out? On multi-app meetings, um, I think there is uh, yeah, go to one. You know, if you have the opportunity to experience one, uh, that's a big that's a big deal. Uh, try to go to one if it's possible. That's the probably the best resource out there. Uh, it's not a, not not so standardized. Uh, uh, a resource, of course, but um, it's uh, hard to think of any other um, papers or, or or resources. Maybe you know when you when you would look at uh, PCMA, for example, and the, their digital uh, certification. Maybe that could be also a good base uh, to to learn some stuff. Uh, takes a little more effort, of course, but um, yeah, I think. Um, and uh, without and be too commercial, you know, I think that the book is uh, called Multi-Hub Meetings, you know, just get it on Amazon, spend some <laughs> dollars on it. You know, that's the best. Uh, you'll find so much information there. And, and also the third part of the book is actually written by the participants at the Fresh Con the, the previous Fresh Conference when we talked about Multi-Hub Meetings and they gave their ideas and fears and, and comments on Multi-Hub Meetings. So that's, you know, one third of the content is actually co-created at a Multi-Hub Meeting. Oh, it's it's good uh, good information. It's got uh, all the good and bad all, uh, uh, place. All right. Well, then the last go. Oh, oh, maybe you were going to say the same thing I was going to say. Will uh, we can find and out then, if it was? Uh, yeah. That no, would be awkward no. if it wasn't. So why don't you go Are, ahead? Should we say it at the same time, Brant? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh man. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> <All right. laughs> well, I was going to say is um, one of my favorite questions I'd love to end the show on is what technologies are you excited for that are coming down the pipeline? Maybe not related to exactly. Oh, no. It's like we it's like we host this podcast all the time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was about the, the technology that you're most excited for. I'd love to hear from it. And uh, we would somehow try to make it fit inside the show as well. Well, I'm. Um... I'm yeah. It's not maybe meeting related, but it's uh, mm. it's the uh, technology that's in, uh, in that's growing inside of a Tesla at the moment. Uh, I'm a big um, uh, fan of Tesla and electric cars. I, I my first electric car I bought uh, in two thousand and uh, and eleven, so eight years ago, May May two thousand eleven, and now I I we have three electric cars and, and and one is a 
Tesla. And if you see what's happening there with autopilots and how the system is learning. So AI, I guess, is a big deal, is a big part of that. Um, it's amazing how how this is evolving and how the world is going to change uh, when this thing is grown up. Uh, it still has a lot to, to, to learn, but it's learning automatically from all the cars that are on the roads. And it's the machine-based learning is, is really incredible. So I think, not sure if, if and how this is gonna gonna impact uh, meetings, but uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, I'm sure it will be uh, applied to meetings. But uh, I think that is really, really exciting, uh, futuristic uh, stuff. <laughs> I think it's. I think you're right. It's a fascinating uh, potential and future. I think there's a fifty-fifty chance that my daughters might not even learn how to drive at this point, uh, based on the the potential for either just using the ride sharing economy as a as a bridge until we get to full autonomous driving. Um, I think, like I say, I think it's about a fifty-fifty chance. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Martin. Really appreciate it. I hope there's a there's a lot of things there that folks uh, are going to be able to take home. And of course, we'll drop links uh, into into uh, their show resources so that they are able to buy a copy of the Multi Hub meetings. Um, where can folks find out more about you and what what the, what you're up to these days? Um, there is a couple of places. I have uh, they can uh, connect on LinkedIn. There is uh, quite an, an active. Uh, a uh, um, group uh, called Meeting Architecture on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and there is um, a website called uh, themeetingdesigninstitute.org, O-R-G. So that is that is where you can you know, register for newsletters and stuff. And there is information about the Fresh Conference, uh, which is also um, thefreshconference.com is a website as well. So there's, yeah, just Google me and you'll find some stuff uh, um, but make sure you write <laughs> my name in the right way, in the Dutch way, the Dutch uh, speaking way. So it's uh, Martin Van Est, but uh, it's written uh, with a double A and a double N. And, you know, you'll, you'll put that out there in the correct way, I'm sure. Awesome. Well, as we start to take it home... Martin, seriously, thank you so much. I like, we literally love having you on the show. I mean, like we did so many interviews together in Frankfurt, and I think it's because we just love talking about all the awesome things. And you just literally, I think we could make this like a four-hour-long episode super-duper easily. So, Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Will and Brandt. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. And thank you to my co-host, Brandt, the ever-clackety-clackety Brandt Kruger. I appreciate you for joining me today. Pleasure as always. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You know that the best possible way to listen to this podcast is to head over to eventtechpodcast.com. That's where you're going to see the show notes, all the links to all the awesome stuff that Martin recommended, transcriptions, invites to our exclusive LinkedIn and Facebook groups. Also, you'll if you aren't already subscribed and you're listening to this on the blog or you know you stumbled upon this on YouTube, you can also get all the links there to subscribe iTunes, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Spotify, how many more podcasting platforms can I say that sounds like a wrap, <laughs> you know, that's where you're going to end up getting it done. But we also want to hear from you guys as well. You know, obviously this isn't a live show, so we love hearing your guys' comments, what you think. So make sure to contact us. You know where to find us on any social network. Just use hashtag event tech podcast, or you can also just shoot us an email directly and Brant and I see every single one of those emails. Just shoot it over to eventtechpodcast.com. Sorry, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. That means we need to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today to this week's Event Tech Podcast. Thank you again, Martin. Thank you again, Brant. And we will see you guys next week on 
the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech out!